Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for, as Shauna has shared with us, the love of God. We have come to know and believe the love of God which you have for us. What assurance, what blessed assurance. So tonight we come and we draw near to you. We come and we draw near to you as a, as a body of believers. And we recognize, Lord, that your great grace and mercy and love, as Levi mentioned, because of the cross, because of your sacrifice, all that we have is because of what you have done for us, Lord Jesus, and your finished work on the cross. Where would we be? What would we be? So while we're in this time of prayer, let's pause for a moment in just the quietness. Let's be still before the Lord for just a moment. Let's just be still before the Lord. Heavenly Father, direct our minds and our hearts as we're praying these days and considering and asking for you to give us the one that we are to share the gospel with, perhaps many others, but at least who's our one. Put on the hearts of all of my brothers and sisters here, those who are listening online who cannot be with us, put it on our hearts. Who is our one? Doesn't matter how old we are. Many of our senior adults in this place could share the gospel with senior adults who are lost in their sin or young people or children, or grandchildren. Who's our one? Put it on our hearts. Burden us with those who are lost around us. Help us not to look away at the misery, the lostness, the ungodliness, the wickedness of the world. Help us not to look away as we pass by. Help us to look and see the misery so that we might be motivated to share the gospel. Fill our hearts and minds with a passion and a desire to do what you've commanded us to do if, if we say, Lord, that we love you. But we don't share the gospel. We don't love you. That is our responsibility. So help us. Burden us with that as a church. Burden our students. Burden our, our young adults and our median age and senior adults and our children that are able to understand that are old enough. So Lord, here we are. We thank you for your grace and mercy, and we thank you for the great privilege of having fellowship around the Word of God tonight. We know that it's important for us <clears throat> to listen to the lamentations of this holy man, Jeremiah, the prophet. We learn much from him for our own struggles and our own lament and our struggles and our suffering. And Lord, many of us are in all kinds of conditions tonight. Some of us are feeling as if we are relieved and not suffering, and others are in the midst of hard and heavy times. We, some deny that they suffer, some are overwhelmed by their suffering. We ask that you would help us to have your understanding from the Holy Spirit tonight as we look at these things together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Again, good evening. Good to see all of you. If you have your Bibles, Lamentations chapter 3. The outlines are at the back door and there are some here in the center. If you're watching us online, may the Lord bless you. We're glad to have you with us. If you are a guest here tonight and you don't know us, I'm Pastor Mike. We're honored to have you uh, with us. Tonight we pick up where we've been looking before and we'll just read tonight Lamentations chapter 3. I've given you some highlights from what we looked at last week as we talked about what does it look like to have holy lament? This is new language for us, I know. 
But this is important language. This is how do we help our people? How do we help others with their suffering? How do we, how do we walk alongside of people? How do we deal with suffering in our own life? The clinical way, the world's way is, well, you want to dismiss it. You want to be rid of it. You want to get it out of your life. I'm not so sure that is the, the biblical way, as I'll present to you tonight something perhaps you've not thought about. So we find these deep and hard words. I'll begin chapter 3, verse 1. I am the man who has seen affliction. I'm looking in this room. There's not a person in this room who hasn't seen affliction. All of us. I am a man standing before you who has seen affliction. Because of the rod of his wrath, Jeremiah witnesses what is unbelievable. The destruction of Jerusalem, the absolute destruction of the temple, the, the, the ceasing of the, uh, of the uh, sacrifices and the Levitical system, the law at work, devastation all around. Everything, uh, the best of them hauled off to exile in Babylon and the rest languishing and dying in the streets of Jerusalem, and it was truly a horrible and terrible experience. So here we have it. I am a man who has seen affliction because of the rod of his wrath. And then we come to the close. We went through this in detail last week in the first 18 verses. So I say, my strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. First time this word is used, and we'll speak about it uh, later tonight as we think about hope. Yahal is the Hebrew word. My Yahal is gone from Yahweh. Then we have this strange uh, separation, and this is where we'll focus tonight on verses 19. <clears throat> through verse number 23. We have a lot to look at. Uh, I'll remind you again, uh, and I'm trying not to be too technical, but some of these things, if we could read this in, some of your Bibles do have it this way. Some of you have Bibles where you have the Hebrew alphabet highlighting each of the sections. Uh, actually, as you come to, uh, and so the, the, in, the Hebrew alphabet is used because suffering goes from A to Z. Suffering's from A to Z. It's a poem. This is, these are a poetic words, prophetic, poetic words under inspiration. This is holy, sacred poetry <clears throat> written in beautiful Hebrew. And so each line, each of the verses in the first two chapters, uh, are, uh, they are given to us and they, these, these uh, letters of the Hebrew alphabet. But now we find that the, uh, there is a doubling and tripling of this because we have 66 verses here. In chapter 3, it is the heart of Jeremiah's lament, and there's a lot here. And so over time, Lord willing, we're going to take our time and move our way through this because I am, what am I trying to talk about? I'm trying to talk about, as your pastor, how we individually deal with suffering in our life, but also help others who are in their suffering. That's what you do if you're a follower of Jesus. You don't say, hey, look, I hope you make it. Hang in there. Just you know, pull, it, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. God bless you, man. <laughs> As you're going your way. No, we don't go on our way. We stop. I believe the Lord told a parable, didn't He? There was one man who stopped, but the religious people had a lot to do. 
So we think about suffering. I know it's a topic that's hard for us, but it's important for us. The world keeps telling you to get over it. God wants to use it. And there's a big difference. I am a man who has seen affliction because of the rod of his wrath. Your people and I am a man who's seen affliction, not because of the wrath of God always, but because I am living in a fallen world. I am sometimes the, the innocent person. You are too. But we experience suffering from the sin of others around us. My strength has perished. This is when, this is when suffering drives us down. And what is holy lament? It is admitting where you really are. Not saying, well, I'm good, crossing your arm. I'm good. When you're not good, my strength has perished. This is, this is the, these are the words of a holy man, Jeremiah, a man spirit-filled. This is, a, this is and I'm about to say this, I want you to hear me. Spirit-filled people have terrible troubles and sufferings. Did you hear me? Some have gotten the idea from preachers, I don't know where, or teachers, that if you're spirit-filled, you don't have problems. That is a lie out of hell and has done great damage to so many people in their spiritual life. Spirit-filled people suffer. Spirit-filled people sometimes suffer the greatest. Have you checked out Paul the Apostle recently or Peter or the, the early church? So now we come to these wonderful words. Remember my affliction my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Now he moves from verse 18, so has my, so has my Yahal from Yahweh perished. But now, wait a minute. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's Loving kindnesses, please notice it's plural, indeed never cease. For His compassions, notice it is plural, never fail. They are fresh by morning. They are fresh by morning. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of Your Word. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher. So, I've highlighted for you at the top of your page, Lamentations 3.20, Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. What do I remember, soul? I remember my troubles. I remember my sufferings. I remember the bitterness. This I recall. I remember it. I bring it back up. And then I have hope. I am stating to you something that seems to be the greatest contradiction in the Christian life. That the greater you suffer and the longer you linger around and think properly, spiritually, about your struggles and your suffering, you will gain hope. The world says if you keep thinking about that, you're going to go crazy. The world says, well, you need to find some other things to fill your mind with and then that'll just go away. What is that? Suffering. The reality is we are those who will see and have seen and experienced. And I know who's here. I, I'm so thankful we have a very diverse group of our people in this room tonight. The young and the old. But suffering, no age is exempt from suffering. 
No person in this room, male or female, is exempt from suffering. It will come on you and, and linger with you and remain with you all the days of your life. In this world, you will have trouble, our Lord said. So what do we do? This is why we're in Lamentations. So I want you to see, first of all, I highlighted the, the first 18 verses are Jeremiah's holy lament in his suffering. If you did not hear that, I don't want to re represent that tonight. Uh, it's, on, uh, it's, in our, um, it's online, and, and I hope you would listen to it if you have a chance. On the podcast, you can pick that up. But I want to come to the next two points, and I want to spend my time on 19 and 20, and then 21 through 23, talking about two very important things. What happens to this man of God as he laments in his suffering? Now this is going on while he's lamenting. See, there's some who would say, well, you know, if you're suffering and you're lamenting about your suffering, you can't, you can't have a spiritual thought. Jeremiah does. I first of all want to present to you something that is seen throughout the biblical material we have, and it is self-talk. So some would say, if you talk to yourself, you're crazy. If you talk to yourself, you've gone mad. Actually, the more spiritual you are, the more you talk to yourself. And for some of us in this room, perhaps the most important thing you could do tonight when you go home is have a self-talk, a talk with yourself. David practiced it. Now we see uh, Jeremiah practicing it. If I would have had time, and I'm not going to develop that tonight, I could show you a number of uh, examples in the Word of God. Along with praying to God is self-talk. They go together. And when we are working through our sufferings and when we are working through our... By the way, I'm sharing this so that you can share this with somebody else. You know somebody, you know, you walk with your friend and they are so... They are just struggling, as you will say. They will call me, Pastor Mike, can you talk to so-and-so? They're just struggling. Yes, of course. But what do we say when we talk to struggling people? Let's say the right things. Let's say the biblical things. As I've mentioned to you before, sometimes don't say anything. Just sit with them. Just wait with them. Just be there. So this is Jeremiah. He could do nothing about the condition of all of these dear people in Jerusalem. So he suffered with them. So he self-talks. Notice this. He reminds himself of his sufferings. Let's look at this again, 19. Remember. Some of you would look at this and think, well, perhaps this is he beginning to pray. It's actually not a prayer. He's speaking to himself. He says this, remember. He uses this word, remember, zachar. It is to cause, to bring to the mind. Call it up in your mind. Remember this. All this suffering... It is a cause, it's a word that has a cause behind it. He's saying, remember, because of my affliction, my wandering, the wormwood and the bitterness. You see, he does not ignore his sufferings. He reminds himself of his sufferings. I've, I've said this to you before, ignoring your suffering is not what we do. It's real. You can ignore it, but it's real. He does not dismiss his sufferings as, well, you know, that's just kind of the way it is. Hey, you know, come on, just get along. He does not reject his sufferings and he doesn't belittle or minimize his sufferings. He remembers them and he recalls them. You say, Pastor Mike, isn't this dangerous? No, it's not dangerous. 
not for a spirit-filled man or woman. Because the Holy Spirit is in this with you. You do know that, don't you? The encourager is with you and in you. While you're in your suffering, while you're thinking, in your suffering and pain. Why do we need to remember our sufferings? Well, we see here. He remembers his miserable restlessness. Look at the description of it. My affliction. The word is misery. I remember my misery. My wandering. The word is really a word that means to stray. My, my straying. My want. You go everywhere. You, in your suffering, you're trying to find some solution. You Google it. You talk to everybody. You felt, visit with others who have the similar con- condition. Straying, looking, searching. Suffering leads us to struggle. You, saw, you talk to someone, I do this, I've done this all my ministry life. Say, well, where, where have you been? Well, I've just been, it's just been so hard. I, I, I can't even come to church. Where, where are you? Where are you? Suffering leads us to wonder aimlessly, restlessly. My wormwood. The word is about this plant, this plant that was a bitter plant. It had a bitter taste, wormwood, bitterness. And then he uses the word bitterness. It's hard for us to translate these words exactly into English. The word is actually the word for poison. The poisonous bitterness of suffering in our lives. So some would say, well, if I'm a spiritual person, I certainly couldn't talk like that. Well, I would be taking away from the glory of God. No, you wouldn't. Are you, are you saying that God isn't aware that you have bitterness and poisonous bitterness in your, and resentment and all kinds of emotions that are ungodly because of the way you feel in your suffering? Well, of course He knows where you are. You're talking to yourself about reality. You're bringing yourself back to reality, not to a pretend world. He reminds Himself of His sufferings. He reminds Himself of the miserable restlessness of His sufferings. He reminds himself of the poisonous bitterness of his sufferings. How can, you, how can you see cannibalism in Jerusalem? How can you see starvation and dead bodies of all ages? How can you see it and not be affected by it? How can we see what we see in the world and not be affected by it? He acknowledges his current depression. In his sufferings. Look at this now. Remember my affliction, my one. He's talking to himself. My wormwood, my bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is. What is the condition of my soul? My, my soul is bowed down within me. This is, this is that. There's no better word than to describe it by depression. I gave you from Psalm 42. Psalm 42 is a very similar parallel passage in the life of David. These things I remember and pour out my soul within me. The memory. Oh, the memory. The memory. How can I, as people have sat with me in my ministry life, Pastor Mike, how can I get these things out of my memory? My answer is, you probably never will. So how do you deal with them in your memory? How would, how would Jeremiah ever get these things that he saw and experienced? His body was affected by it. His emotions are affected by it. His affections, his desires, his, 
it's all, it's all jumbled together. How would he ever get over this? How would he ever shake it? These things I remember, they flood back in our lives. You lay down on the bed and you think you're fine and here come these memories of suffering and pain and here they come again. You go to bed with them, you wake up with them. They come during the day when you're trying to be busy. I'll just be busy. I'll do more and then I won't think about it. And then they rage on in your life. Oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. David is wholly lamenting. And he does it frequently in the Psalms. I've given you just some sta statements here that I want you to think about. The affections inside of you, your affections are the inward movings of the soul. This is important now for our spiritual life. If you want to grow in your spiritual life, you must deal with your affections. There, there are some preachers who, I don't know why, I don't know what it is, that they're afraid to talk about affections and emotions. My, my dear brothers and sisters, if you're saved, you have holy emotions. And you have sinful emotions and affections. You have holy affections and you have sinful. I'm talking about every person in this room. If you're coming to be in touch with your spiritual life and grow in the days you have to live, you're not going to find an island to live on where there'll never be any suffering. Oh, you think, what will happen to my children? I don't know. What will happen to my grandchildren? I don't know. What will happen to my spouse? I don't know. So do I live with that fear or do I live for God Recognizing, yes, I will, like Jacob, maybe walk with a limp all the days of my life. You see, the affections are the inward movings of the soul. They're like the feet of the soul by which we come to God. You will never draw near to God in prayer. You'll never draw near in worship. You'll never walk with God without your affections being uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I, I submit to you, suffering helps light your affections for God, not take them away. However, troubled souls who do not deal with suffering properly are kept from close fellowship with God. Cares and worries and suffering, sufferings not dealt with properly dull the soul. That's what I said earlier, as I would call someone, where, where are you? Oh, I can't come anymore, Pastor Mike. Why can't you come? Why don't you come be with God's people? Others up here know what you're going through. I, I can't do it. <clears throat> it drives us to be completely alone and in despair. We find ourselves, when we've not dealt with suffering, as he said, my strength has perished and my hope is gone from the Lord. So I want you to pause with me now for a moment to consider some questions. I'm asking you in this room, I'm asking you, my brothers and sisters, I'm asking you who are listening online, anybody who might hear this whenever you hear it, what do you tell yourself about your sufferings? Ah, uh, everybody has stuff. Are you still using the philosophy of the world to minimize the sufferings in your... Look, if you're suffering, it's real. It's real. Or to get God off the hook. <laughs> Sat with people before. Well, you know, I certainly don't want to say it in the wrong way and say something bad about God. You're, you're not going to say anything bad about God. God is not shocked by your suffering. 
He walks with you in your suffering. He doesn't always take you out of it. We want the pill, don't we? We want the solution. We want the remedy. And sometimes the remedy is suffering. How do you talk to yourself? Do you talk to yourself about spiritual things? Do you ask yourself, why are you, this is Psalm 42, why are you in despair, oh my soul? Why are you depressed, Mike? Why are you afraid, Mike? Why are you troubled, churning, Mike? You know, we all have a mirror. Lots of people spend a lot of time in front of the mirror. How about using some of your time in the mirror just to talk to yourself? It might scare you if you do it tonight. I would just recommend it. Not fix your hair. Not look at the blemishes on your face. By the way, the older you get, it's going to come. You young people, I, there's no way to stop it. It will come. How do you talk to yourself about spiritual, your condition? And finally, do you seek to avoid thoughts and feelings about your sufferings? Well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to watch a ball game. Boy, that's really a solve. That'll solve it, won't it? Man. And boy, if your team wins, pow. That's really great, isn't it? Man, Whew, it makes you feel better. Self-talk. Oh, I pray that First Baptist Church will be filled with people who talk to themselves about their spiritual life. Now, I would love to talk to you. Others would love to talk to you and encourage you. But you have to talk to yourself. See, it, he breaks in here. My strength has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction, my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. And then what do we have? Something strange. A, a, a seeming contradiction. This most hopeless, depressed man now has hope. This I recall to my mind. What did he recall? Uh, misery, straying and restlessness, bitterness and poisonous bitterness, <laughs> suffering. He called it back to his mind. Yeah. Not, this is what I recall. Move on. Move on. Can't change it? Move on. No. This I recall to my mind. While I'm speaking to myself about my sufferings, you see, this is why I say it. I say it so that I might have a real understanding of it. So this comes to the second principle in 21 through 23. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The, loving, the Lord's loving kindnesses never, indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Famous verse. Famous verse. Songs written about it. Hymns about it. We it, Many of us in this room, I know who's in this room, you've memorized it. But I want to talk to you about this. He considers his suffering, but experiences hope in his sufferings. This is the spirit-filled man. This is not the lost man. I'm not talking to you tonight in our church about hopelessness. I, I, I mentioned it Sunday morning. I've tried to labor on it. I'm talking about hopefulness in the midst of of struggle and suffering that's real. This is, this is the condition of this holy man. He has what seems to be a contradiction. He hopes in his suffering. This is what the world cannot understand about you. 
They look at you and say, how can you be as you are when you've gone through what you've gone through? This is the light in you. This is Christ in you. This is our witness to the world. He recalls to his mind the condition of his soul, depressed, bitter, straying, and then he experiences hopefulness while in his depression and his suffering. I have yahal. I have waiting expectation. That's what the word is. Psalm 33. The eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who yahal for his loving kindness. Look, you wait for what? You wait for his loving kindness. <clears throat> this word, we'll get to it in a moment, this word loving kindness in Hebrew, your Bibles are all over the map on it. So, you know, it's steadfast love, loving kindness, your Bibles translate. You know, this is the, the hint to those Bible teachers in the room. When you're when your multiple translations come to it and they can't settle on how to say it, it's because it's a very difficult word to translate. This word loving kindness, I give you on the next page. Chesed is goodness and kindness. That's what it means. It's goodness and kindness. Uh, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, on those who chesed for His loving kindness to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in the famine. Now, Jeremiah, I want to talk to you about this. How is it that this man could experience and deal and live and remember his suffering and have hope? Well, I have something for you to think about. I believe that there's a difference between, now this is what I'm trying to share with you. You see, you can have head memory of your sufferings. And that's where most people stay. But the godly woman or man has heart memory of their sufferings. And there's a difference. There's a difference. You see, as you think about this whole issue of head memory, you, you, you have to think about it in this way. Head memory is simply continuing to recall over and over your afflictions, sufferings, pains, and struggles. And long after long after your body, if it's been, if you've suffered with bodily injury or suffered physically in your body, long after your body heals, your mind, your mind, our minds naturally keep this cycle, this churn of memory of these things that have happened to us. Like the lady said to me, when I lived in uh, California as a young preacher and, her, and uh, her child was murdered, how will I ever get over this? I don't think you do. But do you have head memory or heart memory? You see, head memory is the condition that drives people to despair in the world. I'm talking about spirit-filled people versus and, and believers versus the world who lives in hopelessness. You see, this is why people drink. This is why they do what they do. This is why they take alcohol. This is why they take drugs. This is why they go crazy with sexual perversion. This is why they become obsessed with covetousness and wealth. They, they cannot handle head memory. It's there and they can't get rid of it. And it always comes up. But wait a minute. And the world says, get rid of it. And people say, I can't. So I'll just drink. I'll just take alcohol. I'll just, I'll take drugs. That drug addict says that, but of course, we know the greatest danger 
around Dixon is prescription drug abuse. And lots of people who go to church abuse prescription drugs because head memory is haunting and terrifying them. And they cannot get over it. But Jeremiah, this holy man, says, This I recall to my mind. Therefore I have hope. Because I believe he has heart memory. Head memory simply remembers over and over the afflictions and sufferings and pains that we experience or that we're living through. However, heart memory, now this is important, remembers, remembers, but uses suffering by the help of the Holy Spirit to grow in Christ-likeness. This is the difference. For some of you in this room, you see, the Lord helps us with our head memory, but we don't want to lose our heart memory. It helps you grow in your spiritual life. You need it. You don't want it gone. Um, uh, sitting with our friend, Pat and I's friend, Roger and Ginger, you know, I've told you their story about you know, Charity being killed, their little daughter, when we were all together there years and years ago. Uh, starting our church together in our 20s. And so Roger said many times, you know, as, as hard as it was for God to take charity, uh, the Lord, who would not have it any other way. You see, that's when you have heart memory, not head memory. I uh, think of Pilgrim's Progress. Christian decides he has hopeful with him. And they're on, the, they're on their way on the right road, but they leave the road. Why? They're, they leave the road because there's Bypath Meadow. It looks so beautiful. They head off on Bypath Meadow, off of the road, and the giant of despair captures them and puts them in Doubting Castle. The giant of despair captures them. Christian and hopeful. Hopeful, captured by despair, the giant. And the giant of despair locks them up in the castle of doubt. And memory, memory creates trees that become clubs and the giant of despair pounds on his prisoners, memory pounds on the prisoners in the doubting castle in the hands of the giant of despair. But one night, memory does something for Christian. Whispers in his ear while he and Hopeful are in the doubting castle with the powerful lock that cannot be locked. And memory whispers to Christian. And Christian shouts in Doubting Castle, What a fool I am to live in this stinking dungeon when I may walk at liberty. I have a key in my heart called promise. I have a key in my heart called promise that will open any lock in Doubting Castle and free me from the giant 
of despair. Have you been captured? Because you dwell with head memory? Head memory is pounding away, beating you, beating you, beating you. But you see, heart memory, this I have recalled to my mind, but I have hope. Why does the Lord permit the condition of His people to be so unsettled in the world? I believe it's because He wants us to settle on Him. He doesn't want it to be comfortable. He wants you to be unsettled. The only place you should be settled is in Him. You see, a man's condition may be very bad, or woman. And yet that man may be very good and know the Lord Jesus and be full of the Holy Spirit. You see, we have to take affliction. It's like salt and bitterness. It's affliction and suffering, but drawn up by the love of God. Shauna sang about it. Drawn up by the love of God. Oh, in my suffering. Drawn up by the love of God, it becomes sweet. Bitter suffering becomes sweet when drawn up by the love of God. When God draws it up, look, Mike, this is why you, this is for you. This is for you. This suffering is for you. If a soul can but taste the love of God in it, taste the love of God in your suffering. And see the loving purpose of the Lord that He's making in it, He will never desire not to suffer. And I hope you'll remember that. That's why people say, after great suffering and loss, and they're followers of Jesus, I'd never have it any other way. And the lost say, I am so mad at God. I hate God so much. I would never pray to Him. I would never worship Him. I would never serve Him. But you see, that's the difference between head memory and heart memory. What what does he do now? He has spiritual mindedness as we finish. Look at this now. We'll come back and talk about it some more in the days ahead. But we'll start tonight. He hopes in the loving kindnesses of the Lord. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. I've put it there on the paper for you. God's loving kindnesses never end. They never stop. Now, as I say this, remember, the Lord Jesus is loving kindness. The Lord Jesus. We honor and glorify Him tonight. Uh, God's loving kindnesses are many. Loving mercy, loving kindness, loving grace. His loving kindnesses. God's loving kindnesses are for all the seasons and circumstances of your life. Now I've lived long enough. I look to all my young friends in this church and our young people and our young adults and their children think about all the seasons that they will have in their life. They're all appointed by God. Every season of your life. Some of you don't want to go into your next season. But that's the way God leads in your life to bring you to Christ's likeness. Quit resisting the seasons of your life. Accept them. Embrace them. God's loving kindnesses are for the severe times of suffering. God's loving kindnesses are gracious to the sinner in his suffering. He praises the loving kindnesses of God in his sufferings. Do you? You see, it's what I said earlier. When you taste and feel the bitterness of your suffering, but you allow 
to see it and recall it in the love of God. Heart memory. God loves me enough that He's allowed me to go through this. It changes everything. It changes everything. He hopes in the compassions of the Lord. This word compassion is raham. It's actually just the word for womb, which is interesting. I wish I had time to develop it tonight, but it's a word play. Womb. I don't have to, I'm not, first of all, I know I went to school to learn, I'm not a woman, I'm a man, but I've seen Pat, I've seen women and their love for their children. Forget it, men. You're second. You're out. It'll never be. It's mama. It's always going to be mama. Just get over it. Deal with it. Womb. The Lord's compassions. The womb. They are new. It's the love of a mother for a child. It is this intimate. That's the compassion. What do you need, child? You suffer. You cry. What does the mother not do? What does the mother not do? With the child from their womb. This is the beauty of God's compassion for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the compassion of God. God the Father's great love for us. God's compassions are many, my brothers and sisters. I'm talking to you when you're in your suffering. Jeremiah is saying this to himself in his suffering. He's having a talk with himself and he's, having, he's thinking spiritually now. God's compassions always come. God's compassions are perfect for every circumstance. God's compassions are always the best. Wait a minute. God has compassion for me in my suffering, but He doesn't remove my suffering. So does He really care about me? Of course. So tonight, His faithfulness. What's this word? It's firmness. God's loving kindness is fresh every day. Great is your faithfulness. Do you hope in your despair? I know it sounds like a contradiction. But you see, the follower of Jesus and those who are born again have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, this is the story of Romans 5 where Paul talks about uh, we, re we exult in our tribulations because it develops in us proven character. And, but then perseverance comes and hope never disappoints. You see, this is why hopefulness is tied so much to our walk with God. Here's what hope says. Hope says, whatever my condition be, my God my Father knows it, and He knows me in it. Whatever my... God loves me enough that He has put me in this for His purposes and His reason. God loves me enough. Faith and hope are able to show us our past and our present and our future and show us the greater comfort that we have in our troubles. And you know what it does? Hope quiets your soul. This is why some will say from the world, how could you have gone through what you've gone through and be at such peace? It's because there's heart memory that leads to hopefulness and faith in God. So what do we remember tonight? Talk to yourself. Some of you need to go home tonight and have a talk with yourself. What do you say to the kids? Go in your room and we're going to have a talk. Okay. <laughs> say to yourself, Mike, when we get home tonight, we're having a talk. 
I know your kids will think you're crazy or your spouse, but that's all right. Talk with yourself about your suffering and watch for hopefulness to rise. I'm talking to my Christian friends here tonight. I'm not talking to the world. Yes, I sit with a man or a woman who doesn't know Christ and they tell me how bitter and how hopeless they are. And I say, yes, you are hopeless. Yes, you are miserable. Yes, you are a sinner. You must be saved. The only way out of your dark hopelessness is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm talking to believers tonight. Watch for hopefulness to rise in your suffering. I have witnessed it all of my life. We exalt in our tribulations knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. Set your mind in your sufferings on God's loving kindness, compassions, and faithfulness. Yes, it's bitter, but draw it up in the love of God. It's painful. It's horrible. A woman said to me one time, who had experienced uh, sexual abuse, how can you say God loves me and allows, would have allowed me to go through that? I have no answer for you, my dear lady. But you must look at it in the love of God. That's, that's all I can say to you. You're born again. How could God have done this? I don't know. Draw out of your sufferings and try to Allow the love of God to show you the purpose for the sufferings you have experienced. The life, I quote from an old preacher named Sibs. He's had a lot of influence on my life. He's not alive these days. He lived in the 1600s, so I'm sorry you can't go here and preach. The life of the Christian should be a meditation on how to unloose the affections from inferior things. He that is much in heaven in his thoughts is free from being tossed with the storms or tempests here below. Thank you, Mr. Sibbs. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word of God. Jeremiah says, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses never, indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Oh, Great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness in the evening. Great is your faithfulness in the morning. When we arise in the morning, our sufferings are still there. We face other challenges in the days ahead in our life. The church experiences and it will face the same. Great is your faithfulness. We sing when everything falls down around us, when we, when we lose greatly, when we're, when we're hurt deeply. Great is your faithfulness. And thank you for the freshness and newness of it every day. And for the blessed Holy Spirit who draws out of our deepest, most horrible suffering the love of God for us in it. Help us with these things, Lord, and help us as we help others. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Good to see you. And uh, Lord willing, see you Sunday as we continue Advent together. God bless you. If you don't know somebody here tonight, say hello to them on your way out. Have a great evening.